0: this time it is my privilege to introduce our keynote speaker. Uh, We have a number of missionaries with us and again thank you all for coming Uh, but it's time to hear God's word and our keynote speaker to do that is Paul Billy Arnold. Yes he's southern. He has two first names. Uh, (laughs) or uses two first names, Paul Billy. Um, and uh, as you can, uh, in case you don't know, uh, Michael Campbell, one of our elders, and he have a very close connection because they both uh, have uh, their, their son is married, daughter and daughter's married uh, son. So these guys are connected in, in more ways than one. And, and, uh, Paul, we are so glad to have you with us today. Um, uh, You, I'll let him give whatever little introduction he's going to do. But brother, we are uh, have prayed. We are waiting for God to speak to us and use you as an instrument. This brother is a light bringer. Uh, That is what he is wanted in a place of darkness, uh, where he is and where he ministers primarily but he w- wants to see that light come to his beloved country and his homeland in India. Uh, and so, Paul, will you come now and bring God's word to us? We have prayed for you, and may the Lord bless you, brother. Thank you.
1: I want to thank you uh, for this opportunity to be uh, able to minister God's word to the church family here. I bring you greetings from Bangalore Presbyterian Church, uh, the congregation that God has enabled me to serve these past years, and also from Koinonia Presbytery, the presbytery that I serve under. also bring to you greetings from my wife and our other two children, uh, Joseph and Elsie. This morning, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be reading verses 44 till 49. Luke chapter 24, reading verses 44 to 49. A little boy asked his mother and grandmother, to play with him in this new sandbox that they had got for him and placed in the front of their yard. Gave them a shovel and a pail each and they promptly put it to use as they played with him in their yard. As they soon began to talk to each other they noticed that people who were crossing the street seemed to be very interested in what they were doing. It was only then that they realized that they had become so engrossed talking to one another, they hadn't noticed the little boy had left the sandpit and wandered to the back to play in the backyard leaving two very grown-up women talking to one another and playing in the sandbox. It's easy, as time goes on, to lose your focus and to keep doing what you're doing, not realizing what you are doing. It's not uncommon for the church or us as individuals even, to forget about our mission. Thus, we must be clear on what God is calling us. What is it that God calls us as a church and as a part of that church to be involved in? I believe that our Lord Jesus Christ spells it out very clearly in our text this morning, let's read it. Luke 22 verses 44, I'm sorry, Luke 24 verse 44 to 49. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise again from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you, behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until... You are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the clarity of your mission. And we thank you, O Lord, that you do not send us without your power. We ask, O Lord, that these truths would be so etched in our hearts and minds that we would go without fear to a world to do the mission that you have called us to. As we consider your word, open our eyes and enable us to receive its truth so we might live and walk by it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. These words spoken by Jesus transformed men who had been confused discouraged, and even fearful. So much so that they become bold, courageous witnesses who are willing to even die for their faith and proceed in this mission that they are called to. Our Lord's teaching is not just for apostles. It's just not for the pastor of the church. It's not even only for the elders of the church. Every member of Christ's church is to be involved in his calling and mission that he makes clear to us. He spells out what our mission is and how we are to fulfill it. Our mission is to proclaim repentance for forgiveness of sins in Christ's name to all nations. Now, the source of our missions is the word of God. And you see that so clearly in verses 44 and 45. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Just as Jesus had explained to the men who were walking with him on the road to Emmaus, things concerning himself, in all of scriptures, if you look at verse 27 of the same chapter, you'll see that. Here he explains concerning his death and resurrection and all things that were written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, he said. The word must is the same word we see in uh, chapter 24, verse 7, and verse 26, pointing to the necessity of God's sovereign plan being fulfilled. Luke wants us to know that the death of Jesus was not just an accident or an incident, but it was... The will of God. It was not ultimately the result of sinful man getting the upper hand. It was God's sovereign purpose. In fulfillment of what he had already said in the scriptures. With regard to our mission, it says two things. We are not free to make up our own message. It's not about You and I coming up with some fancy arguments or ideas that uh, are prevalent in society or culture of the day. The message is fixed in God's own word. The true and simple gospel that we are witnesses of these things. Verse 48. Faithful witnesses don't make up a story. They tell what they have seen and what they have heard. And what they saw and heard in Jesus Christ was completely in line with what God had revealed in the written word. Even our message is contained in the scriptures. It is God's revelation to us about himself, about our sin, and about our need of a Savior. And He sent Him to us, His Son, Jesus Christ. We are not free to change it. We're not free to add from it or subtract from it. We're not even free to skip parts of it. God's Word is the source of our mission and message and it must be communicated as God is revealed in his word. Now we cannot understand God's word without God's enabling. Jesus, it says in verse 45, opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus had the power to open minds to understand earlier today we heard uh, from Cindy about a young man by the name of Kumar whose heart was opened and he came to faith and though his geography changed from the place in uh, Georgia he went out to California and that message still held true that is the power of of God's word that we are called to communicate. The Bible reveals to us that we are spiritually uh, discerned, which the natural man cannot understand. This shows us our total dependence on the Lord if we want to fulfill his mission that he has given to us. Those who do not know Christ are spiritually blind, unable to see the light. No matter how clever we are, how persuasive you and I can try and attempt to be, no no amount of clever salesmanship can lift that spiritual darkness from their eyes. Only Christ can impart sight to the spiritually blind. And we share the gospel and we pray that God would open the minds of people to the truth of his word. And the amazing thing is that he uses us in this amazing work and does it. The subject of our mission is the work of Jesus Christ. Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead so that repentance for forgiveness of sins could be proclaimed in his name. If you read verses 46 right, uh, forty-six and 47, it says, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to the nations beginning from Jerusalem. The Bible is abundantly clear that we cannot be reconciled with our holy God with our own efforts, our good works, whatever background we're from. If anyone could make it by God's good, by good works, there would be no need for Christ to come and to die. By his death, Christ has paid the penalty that we deserve satisfying God's perfect justice. So that he is free to offer pardon for sin to anyone who trusts in him. This is why Christ's death was necessary. Without it, there can be no forgiveness of sins. We need to make it clear. We need to be clear. And we need to make it clear that Christ came to die on the cross. It's not about us. It's not about the instrument that goes out and talks to people. It is about the work of Jesus Christ. The work of Christ on the cross directs us to proclamation. Forgiveness of sins is the first and foremost need of every person. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now we do have problems. We do have marriages that are breaking. We do have Difficulties in our family situation. There's always need in our lives. There's brokenness in our lives. But that's not the first thing that needs fixing. God has called us to be instruments in His hands that we might go out and tell people of their need for forgiveness. Sinners need to know that they can be forgiven that the debt they owe can be paid even though they cannot do it of themselves. The forgiven sinner who has trusted in Christ's shed blood can never fear that God will someday, somehow bring charges against them. As Paul says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. There is nothing that can separate us from God's great love. God's forgiveness is offered to the worst of us sinners, and Jesus told the disciples to proclaim this message of forgiveness, beginning from Jerusalem. Now, what happened in Jerusalem? Just a little, just a few days ago, they had killed a Messiah, Jesus. But in spite of that, Jesus says, in spite of their miracles being performed in their midst, Jesus says, start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had come up in uproar and put Jesus, the Messiah, to death, wickedly murdering the Lord of glory. Surely, the disciples were not hearing it right. Jerusalem? You want us to start in Jerusalem? Why Jerusalem? Didn't they just kill you? But Jesus says, start in Jerusalem. The Lord's words beginning at Jerusalem tells us that there is no sinner beyond God's power to save. You may look around you and see people who you think, oh, I don't know, these, they're just too far gone. But Jesus says, start in Jerusalem. I can transform the hearts and minds of people that even put me to death on the cross. Let's not condemn our neighbors or acquaintances by thinking that they are beyond the power of the gospel our mission is to offer forgiveness of sin even to the worst of sinners. It is granted by free, uh, it is granted by His free and abundant grace. Because God grants it by His grace and because He has promised never to take it back. His gift is given freely it will never be reincited you don't have to worry about a recall of God's forgiveness at all the work of Christ on the cross directs us to offer forgiveness if this message came from men we could not have believed it if the disciples had concocted a plan That if the worst of sinners would repent and believe in Jesus. He would be instantly and totally and permanently forgiven. We would have said. "No, that can't happen. No it just can't happen. But the risen Lord with all the authority of heaven and on earth. By virtue of who he is and what he has done. Says it to us. His death. And resurrection, a fulfillment of what God had said in the scriptures, is what we offer. Remember that our mission is to be a witness. A witness simply repeats what he or she has seen and heard. Jesus didn't call us to be champion debaters. Jesus didn't call us to be brilliant orators. He didn't call us to be astute philosophers. Now, those are all good and I'm not condemning uh, using these tools. But Jesus calls us to be simple witnesses. The job of witness is simply to tell what you have seen and heard. Like the man born blind who was healed by Jesus. Now he didn't know how to debate the leaders of the synagogue. He couldn't tell them how it happened or why it happened. But he did say, I was blind, but now I see. All of us can tell our neighbors that. All of us can tell our acquaintances what we used to be and what by God's grace we have become. I know that if you will repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus, He will forgive all your sins. And that is what He did for me. And He will do that for you as well. If you're sharing the Christ with someone and they try to argue or they try to debate you, it's, it becomes our word against their word. What we simply can do is to point them to God's word. Because ultimately, it's not about your word and my word. It's about God's own word. You cannot raise a dead sinner to life, but the name of Jesus can. We go in the authority that Jesus gives us, proclaiming the gospel. The subject of our mission is the person and work of Jesus, who offers forgiveness of sins to every repentant sinner. Well, what is the scope of our mission then? Well, we are to proclaim this message to all nations we begin in Jerusalem but we take that message to the ends of the earth it may be because your work takes you there it may be because you are sent by your church as a short-term missionary or you may go there as a full-time missionary the word nations in the Greek is "ethne," which from which we get our word ethnic now, as you probably have heard, if you've uh, read about missions, um, there's been a new focus in missions, a people group approach. person by the name of Ralph Winter, who pioneered this concept, defines a people group as the largest people group within which the gospel can spread as a church planting movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. And what these studies have said in the year 1974, approximately one half of the world population lived in unreached people groups. Today, just a third of the world lives in this category. So there's hope. Obviously, a great deal of progress has happened in the spread of the gospel around the world. And that's something to praise God for. It's also something that we can be encouraged by as we take seriously the call of God to go out into the nations. This doesn't mean that the rest of the world doesn't need missionaries. We need missionaries in reached people groups, places like France and England and Germany and Australia. But there's also a need for God's work to be proclaimed among unreached people groups. The, the, The thing that is important is to be obedient to Christ's command, to go Wherever he sends you in the world. Now, even if we saw thousands of people come to faith in Niceville. That would be great. And I hope that happens. And I hope that FBC is the center of such an amazing work of God. But there's still a need for us to go beyond Niceville to go into countries and places where linguistic and cultural barriers exist because there is a world out there that still needs to hear the gospel. So we must have our focus on people who are lost. Pray for them to be reached. For years, our family uh, my wife and our three children would pray in our family prayers for friends that we had made at seminary who were out in the world spreading the gospel. Use prayer guides, guides that will help you understand what challenges that your friends are facing, the missionaries are facing in different parts of the world. Support missionaries. Committed to reaching unreached people groups. Instill a vision for missions in your children. Buy them biographies of missionaries and let them read it and understand what God is doing around the world. Be open to God leading you to serve in shorter missions with MA or MTW or go as a family. To places that need the gospel shared. Whatever it may be, when you begin in Jerusalem, be open for opportunities within the states and even beyond your boundaries. One of the amazing things that already has been alluded to during this missions conference is that Many people from around the world are coming to your very doorstep to study. And these are people who will go back to their home countries, in most cases, and occupy high positions of power and be uh, leaders in businesses and communities. And while they are here in your doorstep, you have the opportunity to mold their lives I remember the, uh, the campus minister of uh, University of Georgia in uh, Athens, Jeff Thompson, and how he invested in the life of a young man named Prabhu who came as a Hindu into your country. But he went back a believer. And in the city of Chennai has been a, a, a leader in the church plant That was planted several years ago. Imagine that a seed planted by a RUFI minister in the heart of a young Christian, a young Hindu boy who had come to study, went back home, and was a seed for the planting of a church in the city of Chennai instill a vision. We should definitely begin in Jerusalem, but our eyes must look beyond at the world. By the way, the seeds that you plant may be many, and you may not even see the fruit of that work. But God, who looks from above, knows who to bring to water that seed and to cultivate the soil so that it grows and flourishes and bear fruits. Now, admittedly, this is overwhelming work. This is probably intimidating to some of you. How can I possibly do something like this? I'm not a trained minister of the gospel. Well, the Lord tells us in verse 49. He says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. To fulfill the mission, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, note the deity of Christ and the implicit reference to the Trinity here. Jesus has the authority to send forth the promise of his Father by which he means the Holy Spirit. To be clothed with the Spirit is a word picture that describes being surrounded and marked. By the Spirit. Just as you have clothes that cover your body. And identify you to others. On the day of Pentecost. Ten days after Jesus' ascension. He sent the Holy Spirit upon his followers. In fulfillment of that promise. Since that day. All who repent. Receive. This gift. Since that day. All who repent. And trust in Jesus Christ alone. Have been given. And will receive this gift. But we must learn to walk. By the spirit. Depending on his strength. Doing nothing to grieve or quench the spirit. We look. At the power of the Holy Spirit that we need to bear witness as we need to bear witness for Christ. Now it's significant here that the Apostle Paul asked the Ephesian church to pray for him. If you look at the life of Paul, I mean, here was this great giant of uh, the scriptures who wrote so much of the New Testament for us. And yet he says that he asked the people of Ephesians, the church of Ephesians to pray for him so that he could proclaim the gospel boldly. I mean, could you imagine a person who had the boldness to speak of the gospel? I mean, wouldn't you think that Paul of all would have been somebody who who had it? And yet he says, I asked people for prayer. Because he knew his own weakness, he asked for prayer. He asked the Colossians church to pray that he would make the gospel clear. Look at who's talking. This is a man who wrote some of the scriptures for us. And he says, pray that I could make the gospel clear. I would have thought, That Paul, of all people, would be able to effectively communicate clearly the gospel. Yet, he knew that he had to be reliant upon the Holy Spirit when he proclaimed the gospel. And so he asked for prayer. He asked for prayer for open doors as well. If Paul needed prayer for these things, how much more? Do those of us who are out in the front lines need your prayers? We need to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you from experience, one of the things that we as missionaries need more and more of is to know how much we are dependent upon reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's easy to go out there and do the things because we're so used to doing ministry, going out there, and preaching, going out there and conducting a meeting and conducting a Bible study. We need to be like Paul who understood how reliant we are on the Spirit of God and His power. Now you've probably seen things on TV that come out, and then there is that warning. Do not try this at home, right? What they mean is, if you try this at home, this could be dangerous. You could get hurt. Don't try it in your own strength. Now that means for you and for me, that we pray for each other. That we would not try to go out in this witness, in this mission of being a witness in our own strength or in our own power. And that when we go, that we go wholly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. This is our mission. As individuals, but even more so as the body of Christ, the church. Unfortunately, many of us are distracted. We're distracted by the things of the world and we are distracted by ideas that we have that we should pursue. Ask God to keep you focused. Ask God to keep your church focused. On the mission that God has given to us. As he wants to use us as his instruments for his glory. Let's not get sidetracked like the two ladies at the sandbox. There's a lot of interesting things that we can talk about and do. But there's a world outside that needs to hear about God's love for them. Ask God for opportunities to bear witness. Pray unceasingly for world missions. Give generously to the cause of the gospel going forward. Pray about being involved in missions. Work hard to fulfill the commission that God has given to us. You know, I know that many of you work very hard. But sometimes we work so hard for things that will one day end up in smoke. Instead, invest on treasures that will not rust or be eaten by moth. But will have an eternal value. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, O God. That the work of the gospel will not come back to us empty and void of fruit. And we thank you for the joy that you give us of being able to be a part of this grand and amazing work that is bringing people from all over the earth to that feast around the throne. And that one day when we stand before you, and worship and adore you as God and King, that we will be able to see the smiles of people whom by your grace we were able to serve and share the gospel with. Oh Lord, keep our eyes focused and with hope of that day, help us to invest every energy we have For the spread of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.